0: Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Georgia Tech podcast. I'm your co-host, Jackson Caldwell. That is your co-host, RJ Schaefer. RJ, how you doing, man? Great, man. It's bowling season. Yes, sir. So, me and RJ were going to come on yesterday. We were we were going to discuss Georgia Tech going to Birmingham and playing Troy. We, we were all ready to do that yesterday, and then we got switcherooed. So, apparently, with all the bowl craziness yesterday, I think Florida State getting left out of the playoff, and then Notre Dame – uh, kind of not knowing where they wanted to go and everything, had some confusion slip up. Originally, Georgia Tech was supposed to go to the Birmingham Bowl to play Troy, which would have been basically a, a home game for them, but you know, we, we won't talk about that. And Duke was going to go to Tampa in the Gasparilla Bowl and play UCF. But there was, a, there was some switching um, laid up in the process. They didn't want a rematch between Duke and UCF, who played in a bowl game last year. So Duke is going to Birmingham to play Troy, and Georgia Tech is going to Tampa Bay to play in the Gasparilla Bowl on December 22nd, 6.30 ESPN, against UCF, who weirdly enough, with all the fuss being made about Duke and UCF playing each other in a bowl game last year, Georgia Tech played UCF in a game last year, like in a regular season game. Um, these two teams have played recently. There are plenty of headlines that we're going to get into. Just kind of, We're not going to do a full in-depth breakdown of this game right now. We, we've still got a couple weeks to, to – Digest information. Um, we're gonna talk about kids that hit the portal that aren't gonna be playing in this game. You know, there could be more of that coming. You know, who knows? It's it's a crazy time in college football. But with everything that went on yesterday, are you excited for this matchup? Like th- this is a pretty good matchup in terms of just, you know, two brand names. Um, not the biggest brand names in the world, but but two teams that people recognize um playing in a primetime game.
1: Yeah, it's still a tier two bowl, but uh, moving from Birmingham to Miami, Miami is obviously a lot better. Uh, Troy's a really good team, um, and, and playing UCF, which is a team that has garnered traction over like the past ten years, it is something that should be good for Tech uh, for not only for Tech fans to come to the game, but for watching on ESPN.
0: Yeah, and, like, I think Birmingham is a closer um, drive. And I do think, like, <clears throat> a lot of the projections over the past couple of weeks had them going to New York to play in the Pinstripe Bowl. They were – late Saturday they were starting to pick up some steam of a lot of projections had them going to the Fenway Bowl to play SMU, um, who was up for that New Year's Six spot uh, for the group of five, but Liberty got in over them. And so I was starting to think, well, that's where I'm going to be headed to, to go cover the game. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be Tampa Bay. And just kind of dig some surface-level stuff here. Obviously, these two teams played last year, and UCF won in Orlando, and Tech fans will remember it as the official end of the Jeff Collins era. That was the last game that he coached. It was the fourth game of the year last year. Brent Key took over after that, and look, we are where we are now. Tech's playing in its first bowl game since 2018. They did open as a slight underdog. I was a, a little interested in this line because most people think of UCF from five, six, seven years ago when they went undefeated in 2017 and beat Auburn, finished another regular season undefeated 2018, lost to LSU. They, they've been a, a very, very good program. Probably, honestly, the second best program in the state of Florida over, over the past little bit, maybe only to Florida State now, and – they they've beaten Tech in the last two meetings. I, I don't know if some most Tech, tech fans are going to want to forget the 2020 game in Atlanta. UCF uh, laid it on them pretty good, and it was it was kind of it was a hard game because Georgia Tech was coming off a season opening win against Florida State, which seemed pretty significant at the time, but uh, wound up not being all that significant. But obviously, there's there's some of the coaching uh, storylines. George O'Leary. Georgia Tech legend, Georgia Tech head coach, or former Georgia Tech head coach, I guess is the proper way to say it. He went on to coach UCF, and guess who was also a coach at UCF from 2005 to 2015? Brent Key. So he he's coming back to a place uh, he coached. He kind of downplayed it yesterday in the press conference. Um, I, I don't know if you saw it, but, you know, they he was getting asked questions about, you know, what this means for him. He's going back to a place he coached for over a decade, and, Pretty much all he said was, well, I met my wife there. Like, that's the best thing. Obviously, you have relationships um, coaching-wise there. But, uh, yeah, th- there's going to be play- – and these two go head-to-head in recruiting quite a bit. Like, it's not like a Ohio State-Michigan or a Miami-Florida State-type uh, recruiting rivalry. But, like, these two do go head-to-head for, for some similar type players. I know most will remember Kylan Fox, four-star athlete slash tight end, plays at Grayson High School. Two of his finalists were UCF and Georgia Tech, he committed to UCF. Like that's one example I can give you. So su- super excited for this matchup. And I guess another good thing is that it- it's close here, just a few weeks out. And wouldn't I-, I know me and you were talking about it before, but wouldn't you say like it it, it could be a high scoring game because of both these run defenses?
1: Yeah, and UCF has really a-, a dominant run game, which is really similar to Georgia Tech, uh in the way that they run the football with. Uh, motions, kind of setting it up with the screen game, which is really all Georgia Tech has been doing.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, one interesting thing is UCF kind of had to squeak in to bowl uh, eligibility. They had to play pretty much up until their final game and win it. And, you know, again, this is their first year in the Big 12. It's a pretty big accomplishment in your first year as a Power 5 team to to make a bowl game because it's going from the AAC where you're playing teams like Tulsa and some of the lower-rated teams in there, to having to play consistently teams, even the the bottom teams are much better than a lot of the better teams in the AEC, not all of them, but some of them. And so it was a bit of an adjustment, but UCF has athletes, man. Um, John Reese Plumley. he, it feels like he's been in college football for a, a super long time, but he's been uh, banged up a little bit with injuries, but he he's a really, really good athlete playing quarterback. Uh, his, he has a pension for turning the ball over. He does have eight interceptions this year, but he commands that offense really well. And and again, they run the ball very, very well. And they do have capable guys on the outside as well. It's not a dominant passing attack or anything, but they do have capable guys when they can open it up. Um, but, again, Georgia Tech has the top rushing attack in the a- ACC. Like, if it, it finished first, whether it's Haynes King in the QB run game, Jamal Haynes, Dante Smith, you know, what what have you, uh, I think it's going to come down to stops. I saw the, I saw the total, uh, projected total was – Uh, Combined total that is was over sixty, so that includes a high scoring game. And UCF did open as a four and a half point favorite. I'm kind of interested to see where that leans, because as we're going to get into in a second, Tech has had some kind of important uh, transfer portal entries, especially on the defensive side. Um, But anything else you want to talk about, just briefly on the uh, the matchup? You know, me and me and you are going to dig into it a lot later. But you know, anything else you want to add to it right now?
1: I just wanted to say that you know UFC really. UFC, UC really isn't that they were last year. Um, obviously, moving into the Big 12, but they had a lot of like transfer portal action in the past year. One big one I can think of is Derek, LeBron, Derek LeBlanc coming in from Oklahoma, who was a pretty beefy D-lineman there up on the front. So it's going to be an entirely different day in the next year. Tech's also a different team, so don't expect the same result.
0: And you know, if if I'm if I'm gonna be real with you, I think this is an easier opponent than Troy. And that's absolutely no disrespect to UCF, but like Troy, if you look at any power ratings that that are worth anything, whether it's SP plus anything like that, Troy is a top thirty team in the country, like power ratings wise. Like UCF kind of hovers in that forty five to fifty range. So I think it' not that it's an easy matchup or that Tech's going to win easy, but I do think that there are enough. There are more deficiencies I can find on UCF than Troy. Like Troy plays a really good physical brand of football, especially on the defensive side, and UCF does not. <laughs> like they're they're a little bit more flash on on that side of the ball. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Whether you're in it for the the coaching headlines uh, with with Key O'Leary, all that kind of stuff. These two teams have played twice recently, uh, which makes the whole not wanting to Duke UCF rematch all the more weird. But anyway. And then, you know, obviously the recruiting angle. Like, UCF has kind of come come into the state of Georgia and grabbed some, some pr- pretty good players. And not that one game just determines, you know, where a kid should go or anything. But, you know, both coaches are going to look at that and say, like, hey, this is something I can sell the kids I'm recruiting is, hey, we're better than this program. We're on a more upward trajectory than this program. And that's, I think, something to watch. But let's dig into transfer portal news a little bit. You know um, – Today was the official opening of the winter window for the transfer portal. Uh, Last week, you know, graduate transfers could start entering their names. And then, you know, kids that weren't grad transfers could declare that they were going to enter, but they couldn't officially enter. But that day is here. Like a a lot of kids entered in. Right now it's been kind of quiet for Georgia Tech most of their uh transfer portal in terms of entries happened last week um it started running back Jamie Felix who played a little bit as a true freshman in 2022 did not have the same role um this past season uh didn't didn't play at all uh he's moving on he's a talented player i think he can find his way somewhere i was impressed with him as a freshman i thought he was a physical runner and he did catch the ball uh, a little bit uh, he had i think his, some some good moments in the Miami game a couple years ago, but he's gone. I think the two most impactful, uh, without a doubt, are going to be Kyle Kennard and Kenan Johnson. Um, I know a lot of people don't put in uh, a lot into pro football-focused grades, but for what it's worth, Kenan Johnson was the highest-graded defensive player on Georgia Tech, um, played over 500 snaps, finished with around a 75 grad, I believe. He did make some plays as the year went on, um, but and, and he played a lot at corner, so... Tech's going to be missing him. Kyle Kennard, he he was very good at times this year. He had four sacks against Wake Forest, was the leading guy in pressures and sacks for Georgia Tech. Pretty disruptive up front. I know it was a a down year, to say the least, for for the front seven and the defense. But uh, not having a guy like him in a ball game will make a difference. But the good thing is, as a younger guy, could have a chance to step up. And Tech does rotate um, a fair amount there. And then uh, Julian Lewis, at wide receiver, hasn't really played a whole lot. Uh, I think he's a talented guy also. He's going to get an opportunity to play elsewhere, but he also entered the portal last week. But other than that, there haven't been – Oh, I should mention that uh, Wayne Green, the former offensive tackle at at Georgia Tech, he didn't – he was away from the team. He was not a part this year, but he officially did enter the portal today. Um, So, I guess you could say there's five – Georgia Tech players in there. But I guess what are your key takeaways from lose this? Because I, I think mine would be the defensive players or the bigger loss. And, like, no disrespect to any of the other guys. But I think the defense missing these defensive guys for the bowl game and moving forward is probably a big deal.
1: Yeah, and I believe that's something Brett Key is going to want to focus on is getting defensive recruits in. But seeing the inter with some of our biggest key players on defense is – not great for a future one thing for keaton johnson he is projected right now to go to wake forest or virginia tech but it's it's looking likely it's going to be wake forest um so i think next year earlier before the transfer portal opened i would have said you know, you know next year's looking i i think we're going to see struggle getting recruits in the front seven and in the secondary. Um, And we're going to have to have some young guys that are currently on roster step up next year for our defense.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that the front seven, I would probably say, is going to be a big priority in the transfer portal. I think you're seeing that with some of the offers that are going out. They have offered quite a few linebackers and defensive linemen. Um, but they've also offered some offensive linemen as well because one guy that is leaving and out of eligibility after this ball game is a uh, starting right guard Connor scaglione who really stepped in and, and did a good job this year coming over from princeton as a transfer stepped stepped in and, and and started most of the games at right guard but was, was a pretty good player they did uh they have offered and have had a keelan rutledge he is a uh Offensive line transfer from Middle Tennessee. He has picked up a few crystal ball, uh, 247 sports crystal balls this weekend to to land at Georgia Tech, which would be a pretty good sign. It's nothing definite, but it it would seem like it's a pretty good sign that that's where things are going to go. I would imagine that's to start at right guard because the rest of the offensive line is back. Like, you know, Ethan McKinney, who was named a on three sports freshman All-American, he's back. Uh, Joe Fusile. Weston Franklin, Jordan Williams, like those, those are guys that all can be back, um, assuming they don't go anywhere draft or otherwise. So, um, I would assume that that that's probably where that could that could go. He started at MTSU, uh, was team captain preseason. Uh, I think honorable mention conference USA. So that that'll be an interesting uh, one to follow. And again, like I said, linebacker defensive line is is where I would look for them to really address in the transfer portal. Um, would you say any differently?
1: Say that's exactly what we had to
0: look for yeah because i mean you look just looking at the positions like quarterback n- don't need to add anything there everybody should be back unless somebody goes somewhere um running back you know jamie felix is gone but you know you're bringing back jamal haynes next year you've got a, lo- a load of uh incoming freshmen in there as well maybe they could add one experienced guy to the mix but i, I would I, I don't know that I, I i foresee that um wide receiver wise. Again, most everybody's coming back unless somebody enters the portal, and we just discussed the offensive line. So I do think the the front seven on the defense is where things are going to be primarily concentrated with some additional guys on the offensive line as well. But uh, any more football talk before we get into the other big news in another
1: sport? Not really. Let's get straight into it.
0: Yeah, so when, when we last left you last Sunday, we said, man, lost loss to UMass Lowell and the blowout loss Cincinnati are tough. We'll see what happens coming forward. We said it's a tough stretch ahead. They got Mississippi State in the ACC-SEC Challenge on Tuesday. And, oh, the number 17, which is also probably the biggest brand in college football – or college basketball, excuse me, in Duke. Oh, they come to Atlanta on Saturday. So we'll see what this team is like. Well, you know what they're like? They're 2-0 after that stretch and got two votes in the AP poll this week, which is – I did not think we would be saying, you know, at the end of last week, but this team has really come together. Now, I'll just go ahead and put this out front, and I don't want to sound like a downer. People do need to be prepared for ups and downs this year. I've said this since the start of the season with this basketball team. With the new transfers and the freshmen still mixing together with a new head coach, a new staff, but a guy that has worked in the NBA and has developed guys and and coached guys well and is well-respected – it could be a bit of an up-and-down process. There's going to be some high moments, and, you know, we've seen those this past week, and there's going to be some low moments like the Cincinnati game and the, the UMass Lowell game. I don't think that was that bad. But but now, with Nate George, start freshman starting point guard in the lineup, Bay and Dongo, who was just named the ACC Rookie of the Week, he was tremendous on Saturday. 21 points. I think he had four or five blocks, I believe. Was just all over the court. Shot 9 of 11. Just very, very good. Um the three-point, the, the the offense can get into lulls at times, but, again, the defense held Duke to 25% three-point shooting, which was tremendous. Like, I don't need to tell anybody that's listening that Duke has a ton of talent and a ton of high school talent as well. Like, they have a lot of five-star uh, players, and uh, Georgia Tech does not play well against Duke generally. I think I saw it was 16 of the last 17 or 17 of the last 18 times they played Duke one. So this is, this is a really big deal but it's it still we're only six games in. I'll, I'll just reiterate that. Is there still a ways to go? But undoubtedly, man, like th- this was a tremendous week for Damon Stoudemire.
1: Yeah, I, you, Damon Stoudemire, full flowers. He's been messing with the rotation a lot, you know, putting guys in, starting guys. Like uh, Amari Abrams started first four or five games and he didn't play against Duke or Mississippi State. Um. Odd got moved to the bench, Uh, and then Nathan George came up, got a lot of minutes, which he he wasn't getting earlier in the season and got nine assists versus the the Duke Blue Devils. I I think you really got to give this all to Damon Sodemeyer and the culture that he's trying to build with Georgia Tech basketball.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, like, they don't even have everybody yet. Like, Lance Terry hasn't played yet. And I, I, I'm I, not saying he's going to be, uh, like, ACC Player of the Year candidate or anything, but he's a guy that shot the three ball pretty well. I think led the team in assists, if I'm not mistaken. Last year was either him or Kyle Starderman, but who, again, he played pretty well. He, he is a very good sixth, six, seventh guy off the bench for an ACC team. He runs the offense really well. Um, I, I think he's he's been consistent through most of it. And, again, Miles Kelly – Shot the ball well. Miles Kelly can be a little inconsistent in terms of scoring and everything, but, man, it, it was just a really, really good week. But they're going to have another test on their hands uh, tomorrow night in Athens. Uh, you know, we we had clean old-fashioned hate for uh, football a couple weeks ago. Now it's time to do it in basketball. Um, you know, last year I know Miles Kelly hit a big shot. That That was a really close game at the end. I don't, I don't know how tomorrow's going to turn out because, again, you look at whether it's Ken Palm rankings or uh, net ratings or, or anything like that, any advanced uh, analytics looking at Georgia State basketball, they still have them rated pretty low. They are below Georgia for this game. But I, I, I don't really know what that means right now because with the lineup changes and everything, wins over Mississippi State, who I, I do know suffered a kind of a bad loss last night, but, you know, a win's a win. And then, you know, you can't take away a win against Duke. Uh, even if they are a little bit overrated so very interested to see how that game plays out tomorrow. Uh, I, I know they beat Florida State on a buzzer beater or something uh, and and come back from a big deficit so we'll see uh, I, I'm interested to see how this game how this game goes like Mike White's done a pretty good job recruiting to Georgia and everything else but uh, you got anything for that game tomorrow?
1: I just wanted to add books are giving Georgia four to a five spread and the ESPN FBI is giving Georgia a 72.4% chance to win. Um, And Georgia just went, uh, I think dropped 80 on Mercer. Yeah. They dropped 80 on Mercer, uh, 80 to 69 final score and Mercer, I I think is a really underrated team this year.
0: Okay. I know the, I know they played Miami in a pretty big early season matchup and one of the the preseason tournament or not preseason but one of the tournaments kind of at the start of the season that uh, a lot of these college basketball teams play part of and i know they kind of got beat up a little bit that's the only good team i know they played because florida state's not expected to contend in the acc this year but really anxious to see how that how the team responds tomorrow so um yeah big big day big big week for uh, basketball so another sport has been doing tremendously like it's kind of like everything seems to be looking up for Georgia tech like why is this not getting more attention um volleyball pulled a big upset against florida in a rally now they're they're um now they have to take on number one nebraska who i know for anybody that does follow college volleyball if you saw earlier this year nebraska did play a full game in their um or match i should say in their football stadium and sold it out like, I think it was the largest uh, crowd for a, a women's sporting event ever, if I'm not mistaken, which it was it was just awesome to see. Uh, and, you know, it, it's going to be a huge test. Nebraska is super, super good. But things weren't looking great against Florida. But, like, I, I think this team could, could go get a win on, on uh, Thursday, I believe, is when they play. Um, yeah, Thursday. But, yeah, shout-out volleyball. Yeah, that that team is motivated. <laughs> that's that's the that's the best way i can put it man like they, they are just motivated and they, they get out there play with a lot of emotion but man huge huge week up upcoming for for georgia tech sports you've got that on thursday of course you got the clean old-fashioned hate basketball style tomorrow um i know brent key said that uh, bowl practice begins tuesday i believe is, is when they're going to do it that game again as a reminder is going to be friday december 22nd 6 30 espn the game will be Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, so we will we will be playing in the stadium with a big pirate ship in it. Um, if, if, if any of y'all are not aware, so that that'll be that'll be something cool. There, I don't know if they, I, I think now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers games. Does that does the ship go off or shoot cannons or anything?
1: Yeah, when they score a touchdown, uh, they have cannons that'll shoot out and then come out mm-hmm. of the ship. So I wonder if that'll be used at the bowl game.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping so. Like, I may, maybe just we'll do a coin. Whoever's the home team gets to use the ship. Like, that's what I think needs to happen. Whoever's the home team gets to use the ship. And if it's Georgia Tech, you know, hopefully they'll be scoring plenty of points. We can shoot that thing off. I've always wanted to see that. Uh, you know, it's like the eighth wonder of the world, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pirate ship. So, um, but yeah, so they'll start bowl practice this week, uh, leading everything up. It's going to be, I can't imagine, uh, Brent sleep schedule right now because not only does it have to deal with bowl practice, recruiting, early signing day period is coming up on uh, December 20th. Then you're going to have transfer portal opening today that closes January 3rd. It's and you got to get ready for a pretty good team uh, in UCF. So uh, good luck to him. Uh, he's he's got a, he's going to have a busy few weeks uh, upcoming. But we're going to have that. We got volleyball this week, basketball. Me and RJ are going to be back with you uh sometime soon um i th- i think we we usually try to come to you on sunday but with the bowl mix up yesterday we couldn't kind of get everything going uh with all that but uh we're going to be back here anything else before we get out of here
1: just tune in tune into the to the dream December 5th 7:30 p.m. c network yeah absolutely
0: um and of course subscribe to us give us give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast if we if you think we deserve one star Fine, put one star. We'll get better. If you think we deserve five stars, like maybe we do, I don't know, then then give us five stars. Any, anything, though, but uh, your feedback helps tremendously for anybody listening to this show. Uh, we love doing it. We love talking anything Georgia Tech. So be sure, wherever you get your podcast, just leave a rating. Tell us what we can do better. Tell us what you like. We'll be sure to, to incorporate that into our plans. But that's going to do it for us here at Believe in Georgia Tech. I'm Jackson Caldell, that's RJ Schaefer, and we will see you next time.